welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. We're uh, we're just squeezing the bread. Is that how? Is that really a saying? By the way, that really is a thing. I'm so proud of you for knowing. We're squeezing the bread. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I think we've we've squeezed the bread several occasions in the, over the years. Think about it, though. It's no less silly than when people say, "Oh, we're shooting the breeze," or "We're chewing the fat." Those are equally ridiculous. We're squeezing the charmin. Yeah. No, we're just, we're squeezing the bread. It's what we're okay. doing. So we're squeezing the bread today, everybody. And I think, namely, we're going to talk a little bit about LTP. So LTP, the LTP study is on the cusp of rolling out. It's LTP is a, an acronym for less than perfect. And the idea here is that we're going to collect data from CWIS surgeons on hardware failures prospectively and as close to real time as we can get. Obviously, you put a plate on you get an x-ray two months later and it's broken, and that's the first sign of trouble. We don't have you in real time, but if we can capture you immediately upon recognition of the failure, then our hope is that your memory of the event and the circumstances of the surgery, the bone quality, the challenge in bending, the location of the fractures, whatever the unique characteristics were of that case, hopefully those factors are still fresh enough that you can make some judgments about why you think the patient failed. That's one thing that's missing from any analysis of hardware failure is the surgeon's perception of why they failed. And I think it has to be the most valuable one. So that's the goal. It's pretty straightforward. We're going to enlist the help of anyone in CWIS who does rib fracture repair. We'll give you a 1-800-CALL-SARAH refrigerator magnet to put on your cabinet in your office. And when you identify a failure or a less than perfect outcome, and we will define those for you, but basically it's any sort of hardware misadventure, a breakage, a slippage, an obvious malunion, an infection of the hardware, anything like that will qualify you. And then if it's been within six months of the index surgery, when you let us know, then we will set up an interview. It's a 20 to 30 minute structured interview. You won't be anonymous to the interviewer. Obviously, that's impossible to do, but your interview will be recorded and then transcribed, and then the data analytics person will not know your identity. Okay, but just imagine if we did it like they do on the news when someone's going to be anonymous, you know, and they're like backlit and your voice is all garbled. It's like, Hello, you know, that'd be epic. I'm just saying that we could do full anonymity. We shouldn't overlook the option. I have two questions for you, Tom. Yeah. One, are you going to give Zach his own special call line because he's going to need one? And two. We had Zach in mind. Let me answer these in order. We had Zach in mind when we limited the number of cases a single surgeon can contribute to the study to three. So, Got it. That was my real question. Good. That'll be done in the first week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being an overachiever for underachieving. And two, which is more real, is the cases without hardware, slipped rib cases, I'm thinking in mind, are we including or excluding these? Excluding. Hardware placement only. Hardware only. For, at least for the purposes of this study. I think the slip rib issue is complex and nuanced and different. So it's hardware failures. Got it. We've done a little bit of a rough 
power analysis. We know from Dr. Choi's study and some others that the rate of hardware failure is around 2%. So if we have two or 300 operating surgeons in CWIS and each of them is doing 10 to 40 cases a year, somewhere in that range, if everyone contributes, we should have adequate numbers of failures to power the study and it should be able to do so in 12 to 18 months. And so there's a couple of predicates here that are important. Number one, it's entirely voluntary. If you don't want to disclose that you had a bad outcome, then don't do it. If you don't have any qualms about that, then please do it. And again, we will anonymize the data. No one else is going to know that it was your failure. And the goal, obviously, is in the interest of science. I think we'd all like to know what the factors are from the surgeon's perspective that puts patients at risk for failure so that we can minimize that condition. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often, but it'd be nice if it never happened or nearly never happened. So we're asking for the altruistic nature of our members to help us with the study. Tom, is this solely hardware failure, screw coming loose, plate breaking, or is this also including wound dehiscence, wound infection, bleeding, potential retained hemothorax on that side, those types of things, or is it just solely hardware failure? Really, principally hardware failure. And the short answer to your question is complications related to hardware, symptomatic or asymptomatic. That was going to be my next question, Tom. For those people who are able to get follow-up CAT scans on their patients in you know six months to a year. So if yep. it is found asymptomatically, you still want those? We do. Okay. So just an example, you're seeing a patient in your office, it's a three-month follow-up. Everybody has different schedules. Well, let's say that's when you do it. And you notice that one of the plates is broken. The patient may or may not have symptoms. That would be an excellent candidate. It'd be even better if identification of the failure was closer to the surgery, but we can't control that. If it's farther than six months out, we are assuming that surgeons won't remember the details well enough to inform the question. So it's three months out. It's Dr. Hansen. He, he gets an x-ray and he identifies that there's a plate broken, but the patient's doing fine, or they may have some pain. We would hope that you at that point pick up the phone and call Sarah and say, Sarah, I think I have a patient for the LTP. And she would then ask you a couple of questions to determine eligibility. And if you are eligible, then within a day or two, you're going to get a contact from her again with a scheduled interview with myself or Dr. Jordan Kirsch or Dr. Milos Buhavik from Texas Tech. Those are the three that are going to be doing the interviews, at least initially. Right. We've practiced the interviews. They're fun. They're not stressful. Questions are straightforward. They're non-judgmental. It shouldn't intimidate anybody to enroll somebody in the study. We're calling it less than perfect because I think that's a little easier to stomach than hardware failure. We're trying to destigmatize the hardware complication because we all have them. That's the rationale. It's a different study design. It's not something that's common, but I think it deserves consideration. Are you sure you don't want to change the name to you're a terrible surgeon? We floated that through. We had a focus group and that one didn't go well. <laughs> I find it very hard to believe that I'm going to call Tom up and he's not going to judge me. I'm not going to judge you. I find it very hard to believe. In fact, I plan to enroll patients along with everybody else. We haven't excluded the examiners or the interviewers as potential participants in the study. What's a little bit different about the study than others is that it's not patient-focused. I think that we need to emphasize that. It's not about the patient. In fact, at no point does the patient get identified other than a few basic demographic questions in the interview. But the focus is on the surgeon and his perception of what the case was like and 
we're actually going to ask you about your feelings. We did add some questions about feelings. I'll just say, like, are you feeling? Are you okay? Questions about how you feel about having had the failure or about the conversation you had to have with the patient and things like that, because we thought, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing, right? That that there could be some there could be some big feelings about that. And some of us didn't want to include questions about feelings. And some of us felt pretty strongly about it and expressed people. our feelings about it. People who need people. Uh-huh. Yep. Are the luckiest people in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh, Babs. <laughs> I will say that Tom and Jordan, I actually was one of their guinea pigs and they interviewed me and I will say that it was like visiting my therapist. It was very relaxing, <laughs> self-exploratory. I learned a lot about me, who I am as a surgeon, where I wanted to go in life. And it was quite soothing. So I did appreciate fantastic. the interaction. Sure. Well, one of the things I think is going to be particularly difficult about the project for our interviewers, and most specifically for Dr. White. So for anyone listening, if this happens to you when you make the call... One of the points that the IRB was pretty specific about, as well as the others who designed the study, is we're not allowed to coach the person about how to deal with the failure, right? So if someone starts talking about, oh, I've had this failure and now I have to do X, Y, Z and, you know, whatever, and they're, they're describing the situation and, and how they feel about it and, you know, all those types of things, I, I think our natural inclination, because we care about one another, you know, and because obviously everyone... It, you know, I mean, our, our members are experts in this field. The natural inclination is to say, well, did you try this? Did you think about that? You know, I mean, to kind of jump in and start helping to troubleshoot or to explore ideas or, you know, when, when we say, well, you know, there are some questions about, well, what will the next steps be? It will be extremely difficult to withhold the opportunity to give advice and or suggestions about well, if it were me or when I had this, you know, whatever, like preventing oneself, and I, by that I mean the interviewers, preventing themselves from, you know, interjecting into the situation is something we really have to do. And we talked about having people who were not platers, you know, do the, the interviews to avoid some of those challenges. But what we recognized as we were doing the sample interviews that we did is you really had to know where the potential pitfalls were to be able to ask appropriate questions. And so it was important that we had, you know, people that were experienced in the procedure, but then that also came with the potential that they were going to want to help the thought process for next steps. So, but that was something we were strongly cautioned against. So we'll keep an eye out for it. I think that'll be an interesting thing to avoid. I'm looking forward to it. The data uh, analysis is, is interesting. It's qualitative data for the most part, and that requires a whole different type of analysis and expertise. And so we've enlisted the help of a, an expert in that arena who's not a trauma surgeon, but she is well-versed in this. She has a PhD in biostats, and she's using the qualitative data to then convert it into quantitative data in terms of the types of things people are reporting and looking for trends and things of that nature to then be able to take what we're doing with these semi-structured interviews and produce, you know, something that then we can start looking for comparators for. We had to work with her and the team to figure out how to quantify the qualitative answers that were being received. So it's been a unique process and so different than some of the other research projects. I kind of have this like picture in my head 
as this being a cross between a Dr. Phil episode and Judge Judy. Is that kind of what you guys are talking about? I wasn't. Not even, I mean, I thought a lot of hours about this project and that has never, ever come to my mind, actually. <laughs> right. Neither of those humans have come to my mind in the many hours I've put into the LTP. So thank you for that now. I was just thinking about this. There's a lot of really good information delivered in this podcast if Carl does his job right. And this would be a nice resource for people who are uh, entertaining involvement in the study. also want to know, Tom, what about hardware removal? You're removing it not because it failed, but because I, I have one patient in mind that He's a cyclist and he doesn't like the, he's a competitive cyclist and he doesn't like the feeling of his hardware anymore. Is that a failure? We've had discussions about this. The Europeans remove hardware much more aggressively than we do for reasons that aren't entirely clear to me. There's a ethic or an ethos that hardware shouldn't be in the body if you don't need it kind of thing. And so it's, it's fairly routine to remove hardware, even, even rib hardware at a much higher rate than we do. We've struggled with this question. And I think for now we're going to include hardware removal. Okay. Well, I don't want to prejudge what we'll find out. So we'll, it, those should be in, those will be interesting cases to analyze. Well, I think it'll be interesting to know. So hardware removal, yes, is definitely a is a less than perfect outcome within our definition for this study. Yes. All right. Thank you. And again, just so we're very clear about this, when are we actually starting it? I hope to be able to announce a final IRB approval at the summit in a month. Kind of make a big deal about it from the podium. You'll see it in the revolving slide deck that's there during the breaks, and then we'll mention it. And certainly talk about it, I think, in the town hall, along with any other studies that involve participation or cooperation from the membership. These have to be self-reported. So we're dependent on the membership understanding, being aware of the study, remembering that we're enrolling, and then to feel comfortable introducing a case like this. So Very exciting. Very exciting. Sarah Ann, do you have any updates for the week here? I sure do. One of the things I want to put on people's radar, we are doing CWIS Europe. We are officially doing full-scale CWIS meeting in Europe, September 11 and 12. It will be in Amsterdam. There have been many of our members over the years that have said, if we ever go to Europe, I'm for sure coming. Um, and now's your chance to make good on that promise. So we have lots of, of course, Europeans who will be there because obviously, but um, some of our domestic friends who have indicated they have interest, we want to make sure we get the word out, plenty of notification to be able to adjust schedules as necessary. So it's a Monday, Tuesday. As it turns out, that is the preferred meeting time, we've been told, for Europeans. As I kept trying to push it to a weekend meeting, they're like, yeah, we like our weekends to ourselves not working. <laughs> and I laughed. I was like, oh, that's not how we do it in America. We just work, and then we go to meetings, and then we go back to work. And, you know, it, it turns out they have a better work-life balance. So we are doing the meeting on, it's a full day Monday and like a three-quarter day on Tuesday. So you can come early the weekend before, and you'll have time for a little bit of play and fun time and then see some seaweed stuff and then if you want to stay another day or two and enjoy Amsterdam and then head home. So we'll hope to see many of you there. Should be exciting. Mark, Amsterdam is in the Netherlands, which is in Europe, just so you know. Yes. It's it's in the Netherlands, yes. <laughs> yes, and actually Dr. Bauman is a fugitive there because of the driving tickets he got the last time we were there. So <laughs> That is, that is correct. 
He is the Harrison Ford of Amsterdam, I've heard. So <laughs> you best be careful. I'm nervous to go through their customs again. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll have to get him a disguise, a bushy beard with some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to make a little shout out to Dr. Carrie Battle and her co-authors. Their expert consensus paper has hit the shelves. It's a JTAX publication. It's impressive. And also, it's the EPUB of the month. It has a couple different accolades. So we'll be posting it in the literature section. I got the note last night, actually. Carrie's going to be at the summit, and she's going to do something really cool. She's going to demonstrate what a physical therapist does with rib fracture patients. A live demonstration. So she's a live demo going. Anybody who breaks ribs between now and April 27th, let us know, and we'll make sure that you are on the stage with her, so she can manipulate your ribs. Anyway, that's going to be great. I'll work on that. I think she's actually going to use a PA from Atrium, but oh. she could use um, CUS member too. Otherwise, no real upcoming events until the summit. Awesome stuff. Well, let's do a final stitch, guys, and get on our merry way here. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. My shout out is to Dr. Sebastian Schubel, who actually listened to last week's podcast oh, to the end. No way. So he wins the prize. He gets a free CWIS gift. I haven't decided what that's going to be yet. But at the summit, we will bestow Dr. Schubel with a gift because of the challenge that I made to listen to the podcast to the end. And he let me know that, that he did that. You know, Schubel and his kids listen to us uh, on a regular basis. They do. On his rounds throughout the town. Uh, I'll go. Yesterday, I saw a bunch of patients in the clinic. And it was a great day in clinic because patients were happy with a lot of outcomes and blah, blah, blah. But I had three people bring gifts. One of them, I operated on this guy's chest wall. He's a fly fishing guide from around here, and he brought me a whole bunch of flies that he tied. And he's an outstanding guy, and so I was pretty happy. He was really happy with his outcomes, and it's obviously changed his life. And it was just a good day in clinic, because another patient, I did a sigmoidectomy and a loop ileostomy, and then finally reversed her, and she brought stuff. And, you know, sometimes clinic can be burdensome, but it was a it was a good day in clinic. It's a good time to connect with patients, much like Tom was talking about earlier. We can never connect with them for long enough, but it was a good clinic day. That's what's on my mind. Here, here. I can go real quick. I just want to say I'm both happy and sad. My uh, kids' gymnastics has finally come to an end. The season has concluded last weekend. I was spent Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at uh, the state gymnastics competition. So I'm both happy and sad that another year comes to uh, completion. But uh, just got to, you know, as a proud father, just say uh, I'm really proud of my kids. They did a fantastic job. My oldest daughter, she won the floor for state. So we were really excited about that. She was state champion there. And my other two got third in several of the events and uh, overall just a really successful little weekend so just bragging on my kids a little bit this week but a lot of fun and um, now I don't have to go and sit through gymnastics every weekend that's pretty impressive Zach I mean first third those are that that's is. amazing that's awesome thank you yeah, you know my, yeah. my pummel horse wasn't the greatest so I didn't <laughs> I didn't place in the top 10 maybe next year for me they obviously have watched the film from your very successful and illustrative gymnastics career, I'm sure. So that probably, you know, where where they learned so much. Exactly, exactly. That is where they, like father, like daughter, Yeah, right? that's what most gymnasts say. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Sarah, you got one? This past week, friends in Australia were hosting a meeting. The official title was the Surgical Stabilization of Rib Fracture Workshop Brisbane Meeting. And it was really delightful. So Dr. Martin Walschlager and Dr. Bhavik Patel were coordinating the meeting and invited Dr. White and I to Zoom into the meeting. And Dr. White gave a presentation. We were able to watch part of their cadaveric lab, although that ended up being just a little bit noisy. So I ended up dropping off. I confess I didn't watch much of that. But as far as the, you know, they had presentations and it's just, it was very exciting to see them doing their thing and in their part of the world. And they were cute about saying, well, you know, you, you just haven't come to visit us. And you know, they were, they were ribbing us just a bit, but we did point out that the events that have happened in Europe in the past year were by invitation. So I'm going to again say, Dr. Patel, I'm only going to take your teasing so far because in fact, (laughs) it's all about you, man. It's all on your shoulders. But they had a large room full of people and a terrific event and just super big congratulations to them. It was well received and, and I'm excited for them to continue to grow. Australia the second greatest number of CWIS members by country behind the United States. So they continue to to build on that. So that's exciting. Are our friends uh, from Australia, Bavik and, and uh, et al., are they joining us at the summit? Dr. Patel will be. Dr. Antipo will be. I think Dr. Selvendron is coming. Dr. Marasco. That's right. Dr. Marasco. Yes, of course. Dr. Marasco will be there. Their version of the ACS meeting starts just a day or two after the summit ends. And so like Dr. Martin has a leadership role with them. And Dr. Shu is the president of ANZAST, which is kind of their version of AAST. And so anyway, they need to be back. So it's not possible for them to join this year. But so a little bit smaller group because of the overlapping dates, but we've cleared calendars for 2024 to make sure that we definitely will not overlap them. So that's exciting. Speaking of, I hope everyone's getting excited for the announcement of the location. 